Here's what's coming up on this week's show. And I reckon there's a real metaphor in that for my development as a human being. <laughs> oh, now we're talking biscuit metaphors. Yeah. Wow, we've done a biscuit metaphor and an alcohol metaphor in the same episode. <laughs> the beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Now, before we go oh any gosh, further, sorry. what happened there? What? I nearly spilt my entire mug of drink. Oh. It's okay. Everything's good. W- Carry on. Was it a hot liquid? No. All right, we safe? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, anyway, as I was saying, if you're listening for the first time, it's not normally as chaotic as that. We're normally very organised, by the way. No hot drinks are anywhere near our recording equipment. Uh, But if you are listening for the first time, we're the podcast that helps small businesses grow by giving you a whole bunch of guests who know a thing or two about helping small businesses grow. Uh, And whether you're here for the first time or you're not, make sure you hit follow on the podcast platform you're listening to us on. And make sure you leave us a review, too, on the podcast platform, because that really helps to big us up in podcast land. And are you safe? Are you all right? You, you, sorted, you sorted your drinks out? Yeah, my heart's actually pumping. <laughs> but I'm fine. Did it go slow I'm motion fine. there for a while? It did, actually. It did. And I've just realised I've got Inspector Gadget arms because I didn't think I'd probably be able to reach that far to stop it. <laughs> Inspector Gadget arms. Please stop. I'd forgotten all about Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I'd love to put that theme tune in. So we're kind of almost doing a bit of a a part two to our last episode but from a slightly different angle aren't we yes so we spoke to our last episode was about how to create a work-life balance with sean hewitt um and it made us think that you know a lot of things have changed in business over the last well it's always changing but especially the last couple of years with parents maybe working from home a lot more uh, due to the COVID pandemic so we have brought in a guest to talk about how we can work effectively from home whilst running a family as well. Yeah, so what we thought would be really good is to find someone who not only uh, helps businesses to grow, but also helps business owners who also run a family. Uh, So we found Nicola Lowe, who's an executive coach and supports women to thrive with wisdomforworkingmums.co.uk. She's done it for herself and she now helps other mums and dads, parents alike, uh, how to run their own business and a family at the same time. This is the Big Little Business Show. Nicola, at which point did you think you could run a business and run a family? Or do you still think that perhaps sometimes you can't do that? Or where are you? Oh, really good question. So I actually started my business 16 years ago. So my eldest child is nine. So I actually started a business before I ever kind of entered parenthood. Okay. So I'd been successfully running a business for a number of years and actually thought I was in a great position in my life, in my career, in my business to have a child. Prior to that, I'd been doing maternity coaching for some large corporate organizations. So although I hadn't got children, I'd been doing a lot of female leadership coaching and some of these leaders had children. And so I'd fallen into doing maternity coaching. So I thought that I, with those insights, I was really well prepared to combine a business and, and parenthood. And then the reality of it struck. And um, a year after having my firstborn, and I'd returned to work after about nine months, but a year down the line, I started to crash and burn. 
So I started to get really ill and couldn't understand what was going on. And it got progressively worse, progressively worse and kept going to the doctors. And they were like, you're just a new mum. You're fine. You know, all new mums are tired. This is normal. And I knew something was wrong. So I had assumed that I'd got a rare disease that nobody knew about or you know, even worse. And I ended up going to have some private tests done because I was like, I know something's not right and realized that I'd hit burnout. So I got diagnosed with renal fatigue. And so it was at that point I was like, ah, whatever I'm doing here isn't quite working. And I went on a two-year journey to recover. And over that journey, I got fiercely curious about what had led me to burnout. One, because that's how my mind works. I need to understand things. I like models, frameworks, you know. Um, Are you a colour coder, Nicola? Do you colour code things? Do you have different highlighters? I, I know that Claire does. I know that Claire does. Oh, she loves I, that. She loves a highlighter. I do love coloured post-it notes. I am a stationary girl, I, I must okay. admit. But I don't colour coordinate my diary. It's good to get that stuff out early early in the interview, by the way. Do you establish where you are on the stationary front? Yeah, I, yeah. I, you take me in a stationary shop and I'm a happy girl. It's the smell, isn't it? Sorry to <laughs> interject. But it is the smell, isn't it? It's like going to a bookshop uh, it's that special stationery shops have their own they smell do. don't they yes i do love like i love a new book i love the smell of a new book um, anyway we were saying yeah so not only did i want to understand why it happened but i also wanted to understand because i wanted to make sure it didn't happen again and i was like how can i stop it if i don't understand what caused it so that sent me on a journey of getting really curious like fiercely curious about what had happened how did i stop it ever happening again and that's really what led me to launching um the division of my business that i now run which is called wisdom for working mums which is all about actually how do we combine our careers our work our lives and motherhood in a more successful and sustainable way i'm guessing because you did it the kind of the way around where you had the business first mm. and then baby came along would you say that was a a better way of doing it because obviously you can't hold hand the baby back um so which which way is the easiest way or which way do you think is the more or is there an easy way i don't know if there is an easy way i think everybody will have their own pathway to this i think in some ways it was easier because i i had built my reputation i built my client base and the way i went around doing that um, kind of worked, but it wouldn't have been sustainable with children in the mix. So that was the part that I had to learn. I basically call it what got me got me to here won't get me to that next stage. So I had to unlearn some of the strategies that I'd been using, which were probably unsustainable. So in some ways, I'd built the foundation and had kind of put in all the hours and all the effort. But that then meant it was it was harder for me then to unhook myself from some of those. So I think if if and you know hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? If if I had started it being a parent, I would have absolutely had to have done things differently, and it, I probably would have started in a more sustainable way. Hmm. So what would you say to somebody who um, is maybe listening, who's thinking about working? with a family in tow and, you know, possibly feeling a little bit fearful about it, what would you say to them? I would say that's a natural response because I think a lot of us get caught between what I would call the ideal worker paradigm and the ideal parent paradigm. And so the ideal worker paradigm is if I'm doing my job well, I'm focused on it, 
you know, 24-7 without distraction. I can put all and everything into it. And then the ideal kind of parent paradigm is, well, if I'm a good parent, I'm there constantly for my children. They are the main focus in my life and anything else that distracts from that, I should feel guilty about. So if people are feeling apprehensive, I would say that's natural because we, our culture and our society and our kind of, um, yeah, our outlook can be driven by those paradigms. But actually, if you are willing to step outside of those and create your own, it absolutely is achievable. And I think there are some great kind of role models and um, examples out there of people that are. I think perhaps some of the barriers that and this is not just for mums, of course. I mean, you know, dads and there are, there are plenty of single parents out there who have to uh, face these yeah. kind of thought processes. So it doesn't matter whether you're a mum or you're a dad. I think if. Or, or you're a single parent, you've still got to sort of go through the thought process of thinking, well, am I going to be able to do this? And I guess maybe one of the big barriers is guilt, isn't it? Massively. And that was that was really toxic for me. So, yeah, um, that parental guilt. Um, and again, I there's a there's a brilliant woman in Australia called Dr. Sophie Brock, and she is um, she's a, um, a professor that studies um, kind of cultural and societal models. And she talks about particularly for mothers, you know, when we have a child, we become a mother and then we do the role of mothering. But we do it in the context of motherhood. And that context is often just steeped in guilt that no matter what you're doing, it's not enough. Um, and so, yeah, I had to learn how to manage my guilt so that I could do it on my own terms and not have these unhelpful expectations that would just drain me. Are there any other big barriers then? I think for me, um, it's understanding, are you the primary parent? And if you are, that often means you're the flex point for your family. And being a parent often means that there is uncertainty, you know, illnesses, there's the, you know, the school sports day, there's there's lots of things that may demand our attention gets, you know, is needed by our families. So if you are the flex point, I think it's a setting expectations with yourself and other people around that. But then for me, it was about understanding it's not just about time. So yes, we may have less time, but actually if we can manage our energy, energy is a much better resource to be managing than actually time because time is, you know, is not renewable where our energy is. True. But it's, it's, it's so true though, what you're saying, Nicola, about the energy, because the energy that we give off um, or you give off as a working parent is going to be absorbed with the rest of the family. So how you're feeling is going to transfer... Yeah onto them so yeah I agree with you that's so important and how do you feel um or how important do you feel it is for a working parent to have the support from the family as well um yeah massively massively and you know there's a saying you know it takes a village to raise a child and I think that is absolutely vital but as we know in our modern society those villages don't exist as they once did you know it's it's more unusual now than any time in history you know to have our our families directly around us so if you haven't got that village around you 
physically it's how do you build your village you know it might not be family members per se it might be it might be friends it might be um external support that you hire but that for me has been critical i wouldn't be able to do what i do if i didn't ask for and receive the help that i needed i've been seeing quite a few posts from single parent families who you know are juggling needing to work they know they have to work maybe they're working not out of choice and also bringing up a family as well um, what, what kind of advice would you give to a parent who's trying to juggle all balls and, you know, getting up at six o'clock in the morning and potentially going to sleep at midnight after all the washing and the housework's done? Yeah, and it's it's such an important one. And it's difficult because I haven't had that experience. So it's really difficult for me to speak, you know, from a place of privilege to, in, that, in that sense. But I, I am lucky enough that I've got a lot of people in my network that have that experience. And what I've learned from them is that, boundaries are critical you know actually how do they manage what can often feel like incredibly competing demands um and what they've become is incredible boundary bosses around what they will and will not um accept what they will and will not support them in their lives um so for example one of the one of the ladies in my network i've i've recently interviewed actually about her experience to share with other single parents and she you know she doesn't run her own business but is employed in a corporate environment and what she learned very early on because unfortunately um she became a single parent when her second born was five weeks old. So she was forced to go back into the workplace, you know, very, very early on in that mothering journey. And she was very honest with people and said, I need to work, but this is how I'm going to need to work because I'm a single, single parent. And she was really surprised because she thought she wasn't going to get a job or she wasn't going to get the type of job she wanted. And she did get the job and got a pay rise within the first three months, even though she was a, she'd asked for three days a week. So what I've learned from those people with that, that experience, and I think actually any, any working parent, it, it's useful feedback is don't be afraid to ask for what you need to be able to thrive. Mm. Yeah, good advice. So I'm guessing at some point it would be useful to kind of have a bit of a family meeting, assuming your kids are old enough to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Say so you're like, right, look, kids, uh, mum or dad wants to start their own business. These are the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Would that be a good place to start setting some ground rules for your kids so they know how this new kind of environment works? Yeah, and it's interesting because, again, a part of my own journey was recognizing that actually when I was in, if I put my my business hat on, there's all these great practices and strategies that we know help us to be effective business leaders and help us to, to get the best out of our work environment. But somehow when we step into our home world, we forget them. So absolutely, if you were in a business, it would be great to have a vision. It would be great to have some goals. It would be great to communicate that and get everybody on board. So we're a high performing team. But often we don't remember to do that in our own homes. So absolutely, Paul, having that meeting to say, look, this is my vision. I would love to run my own business and this is what it could create for us as a family. Um, these are the goals that I'd, I'd, I'd like to set and how as a family can we support each other because actually this is what it will give us as a family, but this is the role I need you to play, but this is what I need from you and this is what mm. you'll get in return. So those, those you know, that, as we know, communications, the key to all of this Um 
So, yeah, I think that... I'm guessing at some point, depending on obviously how old they are, I'm guessing you could actually get your kids involved in some way or make them feel involved and feel they're part of the process rather than yeah. you just having them best behind a closed door or something. Yeah. And I, I recently interviewed a lady called Bridget Daly and she um, runs an organisation called Parents in Business and she's run her own business with five children. And I was like, how have you done that? And her oldest is like 29 and I think her youngest is 11. So she's actually gone on a, a real journey throughout the the kind of the, the, the parenthood kind of pathway and she was very much like my eldest just got involved in the business they would be packing and they would be you know helping with this and actually it felt like a team collaboration you have this claire don't you because you uh, i mean uh, it might be slightly different for me because you know my daughters need 22 but um claire has uh, a younger daughter at home and since she started running her own business it's kind of rubbed off on her isn't it claire yeah it did. i've just felt to say that that was resonates with me so much nicola because i i learned I, I didn't get it quite right if I'm honest, in the first few years, I kept it very separate. But then when I realised, actually, when I spoke about it, they often came up with brilliant ideas. They were great little co-workers yeah. um, and they were happy, which made me happy. Um, and it was, it was really powerful. And yeah, like Paul said, um, all my children have known is me working and working for myself. Um, yeah. And now they're both interestingly absorbing themselves in the world of business and my daughter set up she's uh, well she was 11 at the time set up her own little dog biscuit making business i love that and i guess in some kind of ways um kind of kind of ways my daughter's kind of absorbed it as well yeah, really because she she's kind of got that entrepreneurial spirit that i've always had too so it's good to grow up in that kind of environment isn't it yeah and i think one of the one of the things that i realized that really helped my my mother's guilt is you know, I had this mindset. My mum had been a stay-at-home mum. So in my head, what and she was an amazing mum. So in my head, I was like, a good mum is the stay-at-home mum, which, you know, absolutely can be, but meant that if I was working, I perceived that therefore I was a bad mum. And what the data shows is not if we work or we don't work, it's are we doing what we want to be doing? Because mm-hmm. we can be working, but actually want to be at home. And that mm-hmm. can have a, a negative effect. So many people in that boat, aren't there? Yeah. Or we're at home and actually we want to be working and that can have the negative impact. Oh, so it's yeah. not it's not kind of black and white in that sense. It's not one's right or one's wrong. It's actually, am I doing what I want to do? And are my children seeing me enjoy that? That's what's important. Um, yeah. No, are, are you happy? Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel as a parent, we often think, "What makes everyone else happy?" Yeah. But actually, there is a, a happy balance to be had. So, do do you feel that there are common problems that people come across um, in terms of what you were talking about? Is you know you're feeling guilty at being at work, you feel you should be the family, and then vice versa. Um, yeah. I mean, do, the sort of do you ever come across the same sorts of challenges? Yeah, very much so. So obviously people have got their unique circumstances, but they're absolutely common themes. And I think, you know, the common theme of feeling overwhelmed because we're trying to do it all. And I think it was recognising for me that, you know, I was brought up as most of us are these days to believe that we can have it all. You know, you can have the career and the family and the happy life. And that's absolutely achievable but not if you try and do it all yourself. So just as you said about, you know, asking for help and building that village around you, it's like, actually, if I want to be able to do all of this, it's knowing that I'm just one person and actually I'm probably going to feel overwhelmed if I try and do it on my own and do it in that strong, independent, you know, I can't ask for help way. So I think that's, that's definitely a common theme. 
I think there's themes around the expectations we put on ourselves, you know, to do it all perfectly and, you know, to always have it together. And when we can have... so me. (laughs) (laughs) I was just nodding my head there thinking, oh, I know someone like that. (laughs) I guess this is almost kind of like a bit of an extension of our last episode, Claire. We spoke with Sean Mm -hmm. uh, on our last episode about creating a work-life balance and how, I mean, he went through burnout um, and had some heart problems, which kind of forced him to slow down. but when when you're kind of entering into this kind of running your own business with a family thing, I guess establishing that kind of balance from the offset is really important and difficult to do, I guess, because when you're running your own business from a scratch, you've got to sort of start from a standing point. Yeah. Uh, so you got almost feel like you've got to put in sort of 10, 12 hour days every day uh, and be 70 percent in the business and 30 percent in the family. But actually, it's beneficial to kind of get that balance right first, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, I always the belief that I had was getting a business off the ground. It's like getting an airplane off the ground. It would take lots of energy at the beginning. But once yeah. you're in the air, you can coast along, which you know, is, is just a belief. And, and, and it's like, actually, is that helpful or not? Because what can happen is you you lay down work patterns to get your aeroplane off the ground and then you keep with those work patterns. So even when you're in the sky and you're believing that actually I should be able to coast along a bit better, you've laid the foundations for how you work then. So I personally... I'm not a great fan of work-life balance because balance um, has this underlying message that if I'm if I'm giving to one area, another area is being sacrificed. So, um, yeah, good point. So I like to think of it as work-life blend, and there are it's like what are the ingredients that make the ideal blend? It's like making your perfect cocktail or mocktail. It's like what are the elements that I even want in this? Um, because we can talk about work life, but what actually do we mean by life? What are the elements that are in there? Because we can think about it as work and family, but we're we're more multidimensional than that. It's like, what else? You know, what are my interests outside of being a professional and a parent? You know, what else is part of this mix? And defining like, what are the measures that I want? And knowing that we may want to adjust, adjust that blend, and knowing that actually we might need the recipe because I don't know about you, one of my favorite, <laughs> I've got a, a favorite cocktail, which is a porn star martini. And I remember going into a bar and trying it and thinking, God, this is awful. They've got it wrong. And like almost like I needed to give them the recipe card to say, this is how I like my perfect blend. And just reminding ourselves of what that blend is. Um, and yes, you know, the reality is we may need to put more attention in at the beginning. How do we contract? Like you say, how do we sit down as a family and have those conversations about, well, if this is what we're doing, how are we gonna how are we gonna manage that dynamic? Because it has an impact. I guess, and I know we've touched on the whole importance of having a stationary budget thing earlier on in the episode, <laughs> um, because it is important. And in fact, actually, while we're on that subject, thinking if you're thinking about, right, how do I make this work on a database, day-to-day basis? I and mean, we'll ask you that question in a second, Nicola, but a really good episode to go back on is our episode with mm-hmm. John Lamerton about how to, um, how to plan for success, uh, because he really explains how you can do like a, a 90-day plan and work it into manageable chunks, but also put into your goal planning um, your family goals as well as your business goals so you're not you're kind of mixing them up but you're not mixing them up at the same time just you're just 
uh, flagging up the fact that yeah, your family life is important because you've you've got both of those worlds going on. So, what kind of day to day sort of tips would you suggest then, uh, Nicola? And what do you just suggest to clients that uh, they kind of do so they can manage this stuff, um, you know, yeah. in their daily lives? And again, everybody is diff- different with how they do it, and depending if you know they're a visual learner or you know people will find their ways. But I think some of the underlying principles are, you know you have to be organized, you have to be disciplined. And I might hear from clients, well, you know, I'm just not organized or I'm just not disciplined. And A, that's just a belief. But even because they might say, I want the freedom to, you know, to be more spontaneous. And actually we know the more you are organized, the more you are disciplined, the more freedom and spontaneity it does give you. So it's finding your kind of anchor points that anchor you to a routine or a um, approach that works for you. So I would say there are personal habits, like what are the routines and personal habits that keep you um, keep you in flow? And, you know, often these about doing stuff that your future self will thank you for. Um, but then there's like planning systems. So I, you know, live and die by my Google calendar. I use Asana as my project management and both personal and professional go in there so I'm getting flags on what days I'm doing stuff and I wouldn't be able to run my life without those now some people don't enjoy the electronics so much so they might have their own paper versions so it's just finding the mechanism that means that you're not holding all these kind of balls in the in your mind because you will get decision fatigue there is only so much willpower and Mm. mental energy you've got to hold all of this and it's finding a way of putting it car parking it somewhere so your mind not on constant alert that oh I've forgotten something I know there was something I've got to do but I can't remember when it was so finding a way to give your nervous system a rest and not always be in that fight and flight I like the way I like the way you said you had a bit of a blended sort of attitude towards it by having you know the electronic sort of devices like we use Trello which is similar yes. to Asana and similar yeah. sort of thing you know Claire and I love using that uh, and I have a digital calendar but then I love writing down a list and what, uh, what I tend to do is I write down a list the, it's my last job of the day is to write down a list of all the tasks I have to do the following day so I don't have to think about it overnight I yeah. get into my get on my de- at my desk which is in my house uh, every morning and write what have I got to do today but then the other thing that I love doing which I know Claire does as well and we've spoken about this before and I'll bet you do this Nicola if you write a physical list is if there's something you've got to do during the day and you haven't put it on your list and you've just done it you write it on the list anyway just so you can cross it <laughs> yeah. out yeah yeah because it feels good doesn't it you get the dopamine hit of yep. oh yeah, yeah but it's even it. better if you highlight it then a color or like if you highlight it pink it's even more powerful it's even more in your face because it was a priority to do then cross it out yeah you have or, to do, or do both. a squiggle a squiggle through it and a cross out oh yeah. my god i need to get some highlighters there yeah you get the extra dopamine hit by the sounds of it <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. I can resonate so much with what you were talking about there, Nicola. There's some great reminders, actually, for myself personally as well. So, okay, we come on to the end of the interview where we ask you some questions which are totally unrelated to business, inspired by Inside the Actors Studio. So are you ready for your questions? I am, I think. (laughs) Uh, What about your favourite smell? It's got to be freshly cut grass. 
Are you a hay fever sufferer? No, luckily. Can you imagine if no, I would be? That's good. And the only problem is when that's your favourite smell, you're kind of limited to a certain time of the year yeah. where you like can enjoy it the most. So, but yeah, I love the, the smell of Can you not get those wax melts that smell of things like that that you can plug in all year round? I'm sure you can. Do you know what? I'll have to try that and see how well they've replicated it because I'm oh. not sure you can actually replicate that smell effectively i've never seen i've never seen one i've never seen that or a candle you don't see fresh cut grass candles do you <laughs> no i actually haven't either <laughs> I actually haven't either, but I just thought it'd be a really good idea. Well, there's a there's a there's a marketplace for it. Clearly, if, if you can artificially make that smell, you're Dragon's you can make Den. a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Right. So we're going to go to the most controversial question. This is the one that always throws up some uh, you know some things. Um, what's your favourite biscuit? Do you know what I did? I was reflecting on this, and my my younger me would say a custard cream, but the older me would say a chocolate hobnob. Oh, why the switch? That's quite a radical Ooh. switch, too. And it's a very good question. I I need to do some reflection on that. Because you've gone from you've gone from you know uh, sort of like your traditional biscuit to maybe something a bit more contemporary. You've gone from a sandwich based biscuit to like a uh, a chocolate based biscuit, a biscuit, an oat biscuit from a flour biscuit. There's like you know they're like, it's so different. And I reckon there's a real metaphor in that for my development as a human being. <laughs> Oh, now we're talking biscuit metaphors. Yeah. Wow, we've done a biscuit metaphor and an alcohol metaphor in the same episode. And, and I yeah, reckon there's a real metaphor in that for my in, development as a human being. Go back to that. You haven't just been Googling it, have you? I've just Googled yeah. it. A biscuit metaphor and an alcohol metaphor in the same episode. You can't you can get it. Yeah, fresh cut grass incense. Sticks you can buy. I oh, it's an incense yeah. thing. That's interesting. Oh, I'm going to have to experiment and see if it lives up to that. And you can yeah. get fragrance and perfume oils as well, but I'm getting a little bit carried away with myself, so I'm going to stop looking at that now. But anyway, oh. there is such a thing if you Google it's it. It's a gift for every hay fever sufferer right there. That's been really good, Nicola. We've come up with so many great ideas there, and it proves, you've just proved that for anyone that's listening to this right now thinking, I wish I could start my own business, but I've got 17 kids running around the house. Well, maybe not with seventeen, but you, you you can do it. It is possible, but it's just it's just managing and juggling another ball, isn't it? Yeah, and there are definitely strategies that can support you um, if you choose them consciously and intentionally. And I guess people can obviously come to you if they want to find out a little bit more about how they manage those uh, of those things and uh, balance that right or not balance it right, and you know, get their um, you know, get all their ducks in a row. Didn't use haven't used that one for ages, Claire. Um, no, I know. So um, how can people reach out to you, Nicola? The best place to find me is head over to my website, which is Wisdom for F-O-R, Working Mums, M-U-M-S. And over there, you can get onto my email list and hear about my blog, my podcast, and all of the resources that I offer. I'm also on social media as Wisdom for Working Mums. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. There were some great reminders in there, actually, for me personally as well. Um, and I loved the way that Nicola actually put a twist on the work-life balance and actually turned it into a work-blend balance. I'd not thought about it that way before. I mean, you know, different things for different people, of course. If you want to call it a work-life balance and it works for you, then great. But for some people, that can also be a little bit stressful. So just to think about... Uh, having a, a kind of a blend of work and life and sometimes they'll blend into one another sometimes they'll be, be quite separate uh, but not to put too much pressure on yourself to make that work in a way that you think other people perceive that does that make sense yeah i think because a work-life balance some actually can have a negative connotation to it because it's 
there's a question mark as to why aren't I achieving it and why is everyone else? So actually that blend is such an important word and especially when Nicola was talking about involving you know, where you can, your family, and just being honest and asking for help when you need to have help because to, you know, rather than getting to that point of exhaustion and no return, that it's okay to say, look, I, I, I need some help, you know, I'm, I'm, I need some me time. And however that may look, it's important to have that because then in turn that will make you a better, quite possibly a better parent and a better business owner. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can do it with colour-coded stationery too, all the better. Yeah, absolutely. Got to be done. So, yeah, thank you to Nicola for that. That was a really interesting episode, and we hope you learned a little bit from it. And, hey, if you want to get in touch with Nicola, uh, then you can do so by going to, well, our website, but you can uh, get uh, get all the details about how to reach out to Nicola uh, by going to our episode page at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. And another bit of advice I think is really useful, apart from going to Nicola, which will be a great thing to do, is maybe speak to other people you know who are already doing this. There are plenty of people who are running a business and a family and successfully. So get some tips from as many people as you can if you're thinking about doing this and find out how they, you know, juggle those two balls quite nicely um, because you've done it in one way Claire I've done it in perhaps another completely different way uh, yeah my wife goes out to work full-time she has a career of her own uh, so we have to make that work in some way and it's the same with you and your husband he's got a career of his own and you're and you've got two teenage kids to look after so if you can do it and I can do it uh, then yeah anyone can do it yeah absolutely and I think the most important message is is just to do what works for you because it's not going to work for everybody, but you need to find what works for you. And, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. Both can be, they can be achieved. And worth pointing out before we go any further, but just before we wrap up here, uh, that this today is episode 97. So if you aren't already following us, make sure you do follow us because you really don't want to miss episode 100. And I can't yeah. say any more at this point, but if you miss it, you'll regret it. So make sure you follow us so you don't miss it. Uh, but that's it. We've got episode 88, 98 rather, and 99 to go. So we'll see you for 98 next time round. And say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. And we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.